The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the 18th chapter at the 21st verse. Matthew wrote these things. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. And touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him ten dollars. He seized him by the throat and demanded, Pay up now. And the poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back, but he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. And when the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. So the king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? And the king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, in a world where violence seems to rule, we commit to small random acts of peacemaking, where people are oppressed because they look, act, speak, think, or love differently, we will affirm their freedom. Where people are exploited because they lack the strength or resources to refuse, we will seek to create alternatives. Where people are controlled through threat and fear, we will offer safety and hope. Where people believe their violence and power give them the right and ability to act as they please, we will call them into account. Wherever violence is done to another, through physical force, manipulation of truth, or the subtle working of power, We will opt out, we will speak out, and we will stand in opposition through small, random acts of peacemaking. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. A married couple had many sharp disagreements, yet somehow the wife always stayed calm and collected. And one day, her husband commented on his wife's restraint. When I get mad at you, he said, you never fight back. How do you control your anger? And the wife said, well, 
I work it off by cleaning the toilet. And the husband replied, well, how does that help? She said, well, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> I do want to stand at Mark's and see how many men stop to buy a new toothbrush today. A fellow went to the hospital to visit his partner who'd been taken strangely ill and was now near death. And suddenly the dying man began to speak. He said, John, before I go, I have to confess some things and get your forgiveness. I want you to know that I robbed the firm of $100,000 several years ago. I sold our secret formula to our competition and John, I am the one who supplied your wife with the evidence that got her the divorce and cost you a small fortune. Will you forgive me? John murmured, well, that's okay, my friend. I'm the one who gave you the poison. <laughs> 70 times seven. You know, in a kind of perverse and extreme way, I guess, these two stories reflect our modern attitudes toward the idea of forgiveness. It seems that we live in a balance sheet world that demands justice. Don't get mad, get even. When things don't go our way, we're advised to sue their socks off. Tim Misney will make them pay. In spite of growing up with the advice to forgive and forget or being reminded that to err is human, to forgive divine, and even our quite regular forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, you won't find a lot of forgiveness out there. Children can't forgive their parents and parents can't forgive their children. I know wives who cannot forgive their husbands and husbands who cannot forgive their wives. There just isn't much forgiveness anywhere. It's really nothing new, though. Because you see, 2,000 years ago, the question was asked, Master, how many times am I to forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? And you know, really, Peter's question to Jesus was really a good one. Because it was the teaching of the rabbis that a man must forgive his brother three times. As one rabbi wrote, and I quote, if a man commits an offense once, they forgive. If he commits an offense a second time, they forgive him. If he commits an offense a third time, they forgive him. The fourth time, they do not forgive. So I'd just bet that Peter thought he was being pretty generous. He takes the rabbinic teaching, he doubles it, he adds one for good measure, and he suggests that it might be good enough to forgive seven times. But Jesus answers that we must forgive again and again and again. And then he continues on by telling the story of the servant who was forgiven a humongous debt, who then went out and mercilessly dealt with a fellow servant who owed him just a tiny bit. No forgiveness here, debtor's prison. Well, the king heard about what happened, called the servant in and had him imprisoned because he was not willing to show the same forgiveness he had been shown. And Jesus went on. 
And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. That is kind of scary. As you who have studied your Bible know, there are several places in Scripture that indicate a quid pro quo when it comes to forgiveness. If we don't give it, we won't get it. And I know we receive God's forgiveness not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did for us. But the way in which this story ends holds a harsh truth. The one who fails to forgive really winds up in a prison of his or her own making, really is unable to experience forgiveness for him or herself. So why do you suppose Jesus made such a big deal about this little issue of forgiveness? I think it's because it's not little. It's huge. You know, it's one of the things in this world that has the power for you to change and redeem your past. Think about it for a minute. Forgiveness is a decision about how to deal with something that is already supposedly beyond our reach, the past. One decision that we can always make about the wrongs that we have suffered is to seek revenge, poison your partner, clean the toilet, don't get mad, get even, sue their socks off. And the idea behind this is that there is some kind of balance sheet and there's something now owed to you, and somehow you need to get the wrongdoer to pay. And you need to hear this. To choose forgiveness is to give up that notion. By letting go of our sense of being wronged, we can also let go of bitterness and resentment and open ourselves to new life. We take control about how we feel about the past. So the real problem for the servant in today's story is that he missed the experience of forgiveness altogether. He just thought that he was off the hook and that was the end of it. It never even crossed his mind, I don't think, that he was being forgiven from the heart by someone who knew how huge his debt was but who was willing to let it go, throwing out the balance sheet. The debt had become a stumbling block to a relationship, and the debt had to go if they were going to get to know each other again. And that, folks, is what real forgiveness is all about. The only real reason for any of us to ever forgive another is because we want the relationship back. And it's hard to do that when you're always keeping score. As long as we're focused on what someone owes us, we tend to spend our time figuring out how to get paid back, proved right, or protected from more harm. But once we extend forgiveness from our heart, there's all the time in the world. That's what the servant missed. And when the king forgave him, he figured he'd outsmarted the old goat, and the best way to cut his losses was to see that the same thing didn't happen to him. 
So when his turn came, he did what he had expected the king to do to him. He grabbed his debtor by the throat and demanded to be paid. He had missed his own forgiveness. So of course he could not forgive anyone else. And you know how the story ends. He gets thrown in jail until he can pay his debt, which amounts to the rest of his life. But his imprisonment at this point is really a mere technicality because the servant was really already behind bars, bars of his own making. By refusing to be forgiven and refusing to forgive, he had already created his own little prison cell where he sat in solitary confinement with the score sheet to keep track of his accounts. And by the end of the story, Peter, I think, thinks he gets it. Do unto others or the king will do unto you. Only that's not the message, really. The message is, do unto others as the king has already done unto you. It is a matter of understanding that you have already been forgiven. Hear this today. There is someone who knows all about you, all your good points, all your growth edges, and that someone has already forgiven you for one reason and one reason only. That someone wants to be in a relationship with you. And when someone like that has kept keeping score on you, you should feel kind of foolish keeping score on the people in your own life. So how often should we forgive? Forgiveness, folks, ultimately needs to be a way of life. Throw away the score sheets like much of everything in life. Grace, you see, it flows downhill. Thanks be to God. Amen.